Hi, this is Pastor Mike from Compass in Monterey County. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I hope it encourages you and gives you confidence that Jesus is by your side and that his plans for you are to bless you. Today I'm talking about something that almost every one of us does, but almost no one will admit it. I'm talking about a trap that people commonly fall into in life that probably is in the top two or three happiness robbers of our life. And of course, the trap I'm talking about is that of comparing ourselves to other people. Now, the video we just saw made us laugh, but it had a a point of truth in it, I think, that we all recognize. And that is that when we compare ourselves to other people. There's always a loser. And generally, most often, comparing makes us discontent. It robs us of our joy. Because we're counting the blessings of the other person rather than counting our own blessings. And so someone gets a better house or an apartment than we do, and suddenly our place is a dump. It's often been said that the quickest way to depreciate a car is when a friend gets a better car. Even parents compare their kids to other kids. There's a lot that's being written today about how parents are competing with one another through their kids. Often the motive is good. Because we want our children to have every opportunity. We don't want them to fall behind other people. We want them to be able to make it later in life. But if we're not careful, we compare our kids to other kids and begin to push them for grades. Maybe beyond really what they're endowed with the ability to reach. Or to score more in sports like other kids do, or push them to get involved in some activity or some experience because we hear a friend has their kids involved in this. You know, the youth pastors in our church, uh, Chris and Joel, tell me that they've never seen so much pressure put on kids by parents to perform as today. Why? Well, sometimes it's for bragging rights. My kid. Comparing kids is incredibly injurious to them. But it's so normal. It's become so normal in our culture. Almost nobody's noticing it today. I read this last week that only 1% of women in America actually like the way they look. In fact, it's uh, quite common knowledge now that even the most beautiful women don't think they're beautiful. Isn't this amazing? They think there's some flaw that they have, maybe with the arch of their eyebrows or their lips aren't puffy enough or their cheeks or the shape of their body is not there. 
even for beautiful women. Why is that? Because they compared themselves to another beautiful woman. And they've bitten into this myth that you can have it all. No one has it all. And they see something and they look in themselves and compare the shape of their nose or something about their face and the way they look. And suddenly, they're junk. They're ugly. The pressure on the normal woman is heinous. It's humongous. But caring, comparing is so normal. Everybody does it, don't they? Except a growing Christian. A Christian who's growing spiritually stops comparing. Our scripture reading this morning is totally surprising. We'd never anticipate this. But why should we be surprised that we're surprised? Remember Psalm 59, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are God's thoughts above our thoughts. We shouldn't be surprised that we read in the word that things are wrong in God's eyes. That for so long we thought were right. So in chapter 2, verse 3, James says, Have you not discriminated, that is, compared, among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This word discriminated, the Greek word that's used here, means to compare and then judge based on external elements. It is comparison in which somebody is the loser. And it means to stratify according to the comparison. That is to give people different levels of status according to your judgment on them. That's racism. It's social cliques at school are in Salinas, you know, the in-group and the out-group. It is human nature to... Give status to people according to externals. But not for a growing Christian. Significantly, this word for discriminated in Greek is only found in the Bible. Not in secular writings. Only found in the Bible and early Christian writings in the first and second century. You don't find this used in the secular world. Why? Because it's normal. Everybody does it and doesn't see anything wrong with it. They didn't even have a word for it being wrong. But Christians, when they began to understand Christ's law of love and not judging one another and comparing one another, coined this word, they invented this word to describe what we should no longer do, uh, what the world does commonly. And notice the Bible calls this evil. Look at the verse in your scriptures or on the screen. Evil. Comparison is evil. Now, what's so striking about this Greek word that's used for evil is that there are three possible words in Greek for evil to describe our English word evil. James uses all three. But here he uses the word poneros. 
and poneros is the strongest possible word for, for evil in the Greek language. What's a part of its meaning that is so significant is this is evil that is injurious or destructive. That's why it's such, it's the worst evil. It injures and it destroys people. That's the word he uses to describe the evil of comparing yourself to other people. It's that bad. Now surely, you know, at this point, someone out here is thinking, I can't understand why this is so bad. No one gets hurt by comparison. Why is God so hot about this? Before I speak to that, let me put a little parenthesis in here, just what it means to be a Christian. To grow spiritually mature, to grow up spiritually, means to change your mind about how you see behavior and to adopt God's way of seeing. Let me say it another way. A growing Christian must adopt the worldview of God and give up what they've always thought before is right and wrong and begin to see as God sees. The word for that in Greek is repentance. Repentance means to change your direction and go the other direction because you agree with God. And this is a problem for a lot of Christians. They believe in Jesus, but they don't agree with the way he sees things. And so you read in the word of God, God says this is evil, this is wrong. I don't see it that way, and keep doing it. So I believe in Jesus, and I'm holding hands with the devil, because I won't change the way I see things to the way God sees them. You will never grow spiritually mature or experience the power of God. Because you can't experience the power of God if you're holding hands with the devil. That's what this chapter teaches us. Part of what's happening here. We've got to strip off our old opinions and old ways of seeing things. And as a Christian, begin to see as God sees. So I'm going to ask you this. In the last couple of months, what have you changed in the way you see things? Had any repentance? Where you always thought this was right, but you were in a Bible study or hearing a message, and you heard, no, that's not right, and you changed and began to see it as wrong. Anybody had any repentance in their life? You cannot grow powerful walking with Jesus if there's not the practice of repentance. It's weekly, daily. Now James is very clear here. He puts comparison in the same category as murder and adultery. He picks two of the very worst sins you could commit against another person. Social sins. Murdering that person, that's a pretty bad sin against them. Or being unfaithful in your marriage vows. Very hurtful. He puts comparison right in there. As that level of sin against another person. Or against yourself. 
He says in verse 9, if you so show favoritism, that is stratify people to status levels, you sin. The Greek word here for favoritism means to compare people and then assign them a level of status according to your judgment of them. Assigning a level of status. That's racism. We assign people status according to their race. It's elitism. You know, wealth or you're not of my, of my status or educational degrees or gangs do the same thing. They assign status according to what you're willing to do. It's the normal human thing to do, but it's not spiritual. And so James says, one day we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be held accountable for whether or not we continue to compare people in our life. He says in verse uh, 12, speak and act as those who are going to be judged. Christians won't lose their salvation at the judgment seat, but they will be held accountable for refusing to change their worldview and see things as God sees them. So the question is this. It's a good question. Why is God so hot about comparing? What's so wrong with it? Well, the first problem with comparing is that it can kill a dream. It can kill your dream or somebody else's dream that God has given them. It can kill a dream. I read about two cows who were grazing in a pasture and a milk truck drove by with a big sign on it that said, homogenized, pasteurized, vitamin A and D added. And one cow looked to the other one and said, kind of makes you feel inadequate, doesn't it? I knew that wasn't that good a joke. But anyway, I was desperate this last week. God hates comparison. Because somebody loses and it makes you feel inadequate. Perhaps you've heard of Susan Boyle. No one had ever heard of her a year ago. But now she's a singing sensation around the world. And her first album was a blockbuster that sold millions and made her rich. That would not have happened. Except one day she made up her mind to stop letting people comparing her to others kill her dream. Because it had killed her dream up until then. When she was 12, she had a dream of being a professional singer. But the constant comparison people did of her to others had killed the dream. You see, she had a learning disability. She was oxygen deprived at her birth, and so she had a learning disability. And so when she was in grammar school, kids called her Susie Simple and Susie Stupid. She sang in a few churches, entered a few small contests, but nothing significant. 
Because she was convinced through her experience of being compared to others that contests were judged on as much upon the basis of beauty as it was on singing ability. And so she didn't enter. But one day, she decided to stop letting this comparison kill her dream. And so she took all of her savings, she was unemployed, and she hired a voice coach. And she got better and better and better until the voice coach said, enter Britain's counterpart to American Idol called Britain's Got Talent. But she said, no, I would be humiliated up there. She said, I'm 47 years old. I'm too old to compete against all those young people. But her coach insisted and finally she entered. And sure enough, when she walked on stage to sing, she got the same old scorn and looks. The same old comparison that was going on about her physical appearance. I want to show you this video. I want you to watch the faces of the audience and especially the judges when she walks on to sing. See what you think. How old are you, Susan? I am 47. <laughs> and that's just one side of me. <laughs> okay, what's the dream? I, I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? I've never been given the chance before, but here's hoping it will change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine Page. What are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from the Miserables. Okay. Big song. <laughs> yeah? Yeah.
Without a doubt, that was the biggest surprise I have had in three years on this show. When you stood there with that cheeky grin and said, I, I want to be like a lame page, everyone was laughing at you. No one is laughing now. That was stunning. An incredible performance. Amazing. I'm reeling from shock about you two, but... I am so thrilled because I know that everybody was against you. I honestly think that we were all being very cynical and I think that's the biggest wake-up call ever. And I just want to say that it was a complete privilege listening to that. It was instantaneous. I knew the minute you walked out... On that stage, that we were going to hear something extraordinary, and I was right. Quite a lot of touch. Susan, you are a little tiger, aren't you? No, I don't know about that. You are. Okay, moment of truth. Here's yes or no. The biggest yes I have ever given anybody. Amanda? Yes, definitely. Susan Boyle, you can go back to the village with your head held high. It's three S's. Every time I see that, I, I choke up. People comparing her almost robbed the world of that talent. It almost killed a dream. She later says that not only has she never been married, she's never been kissed by a man because of her outward appearance. Everyone has been against her. Surely someone here this morning feels everyone's against you. You're on the edge of letting your dream be killed because of the way people are comparing you. Don't let them do that to you. Did you notice the last lines of her song? I had a dream my life would be so different from this hell I'm living. So different now from what it seemed. Now life has killed the dream I once dreamed. For her to walk out on that stage was an act of defiance. And it was no coincidence that she chose those lyrics. Because they were autobiographical. You almost killed my dream. Because of the way I look. Surely someone here is on the edge of letting comparison kill your dream. Maybe your business is on the edge. And you look around at other businesses that are doing pretty well. And you compare yourself or someone around you compares you to others. And it's killing your dream. Don't let them do that to you. Or it may be that you've been living with someone. 
And it's turned out very bad. You've made mistakes. Your first mistake was not seeing things the way God sees them and rebelling against what he says about living together before marriage. But now you've gone down that road with this person and you want out and you're trying to get out, but that person wants to control you or they want to get even with you and they keep telling you your dream of a new life isn't going to happen because they're comparing you to other people in this church or to other people and saying, you can never be like them. You're not that good. You don't deserve that. Don't let that person kill the dream of a different life for you by comparison. Susan included on her album songs about her faith in God. One of them was entitled, My Faith is My Backbone. And she talks about this holding hands with God, this personal relationship with God that is what gives her the power to have the backbone to stand up against all these people scorning her in comparison. That's what gave her the backbone, the courage to walk out on that stage that night. You know, we talk a lot about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Later on in chapter 2, verse 19, James talks about even the devil believes, but he's not holding hands with Jesus. No, no, no. You can believe in Jesus, but be holding hands with the devil or far away from him. Do you know Jesus on a personal level? I mean, do you have him in your life? Have you ever invited him into your life and surrendered to his worldview, the way he sees things? That's what it means to become a Christian. Not to believe, but to surrender to him. Is there any reason today You can't invite Jesus into your life and begin to experience the backbone to keep on keeping on that she sings about. Terry Bradshaw, Hall of Fame quarterback and winner of four Super Bowls, said something that I think is fantastic. I love it. He said, for a long time, I was the only one who knew how successful I was going to be. You see, in high school, he was a bench warmer until his senior year. Same thing in a small college he went to. Bench warmer until his senior year. But he never let comparison of him on the bench to the guy who was playing kill his dream. He kept on. Today I tell you, don't let comparison ever kill your dream. Don't listen to it. Secondly, James says, break the habit of comparing people because comparison is inevitably unmerciful. Someone always loses in the comparison game, and usually it's the other person. We feel better than, better body, better job, better house, better kids, better money. James says comparing is always and inevitably unmerciful. Think about that. When you compare yourself to another or compare other people, you don't go up to them and lift both hands. Winners, somebody loses. And that's why it's an anti-God way of living. And the reason is this, comparing is essentially a competitive game. 
Gordon Vidal once said, every time a friend of mine succeeds, I die a little. The success of other people, whether it's through their family, their marriage, money, whatever it is, is a test of our pride. It exposes our pride. Because if we can't celebrate the blessings of other people, that's all about our ego competing with other people. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, I think nails it. Listen to what he says. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. And it's true. It's not the pleasure of the income you earn, the house you have, kids. It's having more than, being better looking than the other person, not equal. It exposes our pride. It's a terrible thing. Third, comparing ourselves to others is a loser's game. Inevitably, you're going to lose eventually. Isn't that right? Even our fairy tales teach us that. Snow White and her evil stepmother. Remember, the stepmother looks into the mirror every day and asks, who's the most beautiful in the land? And every day the mirror says, you are the most beautiful in the land. But one day, Snow White grows up and flowers into womanhood. And when the question is asked of the mirror... This day she comes in second. Snow White is the most beautiful. Did she suddenly become ugly? No, but she felt like junk because she eventually lost. And I'm telling you, you will eventually lose the comparison game. And it will rob you of your contentment and happiness in life. It will lead you to envy. Let me define envy for you. Envy is counting the blessings of another person rather than your own blessings. It's counting the blessings of the other rather than your own. And that's why Dante in his epic poem puts envious people in hell with their eyelids sewn shut because that's the only cure. To stop Comparing yourself to other people. Let me give you a definition of happiness and why so many people find happiness eluding them in America. Happiness is getting your eyes off of other people. That's all it is. Let me say it another way. Happy people count their own blessings instead of counting the blessings of other people. Comparing yourself to other people is always a loser's game. Because you're counting their blessings rather than your own. And eventually you will lose. Let me put it another way. That's very challenging to America today. But this is the Christian worldview. Happy people are willing to let other people have blessings they do not have. And never will have. How bright they are. Advantages in life. People around them. You will never be happy until you're willing to let other people have blessings you don't have. 
Because you're counting your own blessings. You've got blessings they don't have. And that's why God is so hard on comparing. It's an unthankful way to live. And that's why I tell Susie not to compare me to other husbands. (laughs) Now, I'm going to be honest with you and vulnerable. You know how I am. I tell Susie, this truth, I tell Susie all the time, I know I'm not everything other husbands are and I'm not the perfect husband. But I can open jars for you. (laughs) And I can do lawn work and I know how to paint I can paint rooms and I do woodwork with for you, all this beautiful woodwork around our house with the tools I bought. <laughs> and I and I can cook and I can do toilets and I vacuum and I don't watch as much football as other guys do, honey. You know what I tell her? Honey, I'm a man overflowing with blessings for you. So don't compare me to others, because I'm overflowing with blessings for you. You want to pray for me? Okay, let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray today we would not let people steal our dream and not accept comparisons. Just ignore them, Lord, not listen. And I pray for all of us that you would today help us to decide we're going to stop comparing. Because it is a sin. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. That was such a relevant message from Dr. Mike. You can order a DVD copy from the website of Compass Church of Monterey County. If these messages are helping you, why not share them with friends and family? It's a great way to be a blessing to others. May God's blessing and favor be upon your life.